Well, you have found your way to another episode of Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we're going to talk to Lois Kramer. Hey, Lois, welcome to Speakernomics. Thanks, Tom. I'm thrilled to be here with you. We are so happy to have you here. Lois, what are two tips that you have for speakers to make more money? The first tip I have is a concept I call aftercare. What do you do after the speech, after you've hit a home run? And the second is monetizing your message, which has kind of been my refrain for the last two years. How can we put our intellectual property and other platforms out in the market? Oh, Lois, this is going to be so much fun to unpack these tips with you. For those of you who don't know Lois Kramer, Lois works with speakers who want to grow their business. Now, how many of us don't want to grow our business? I would venture to say all speakers want to grow their business. And Lois is an expert in helping people do that. And she does that by helping them have some fun along the way while they're growing the business. And her actual work is through consulting and speaking. And she's written a couple of books. So, Lois, let's jump right into this. Your first tip is about what you call aftercare. I don't even know what that means. What is aftercare and how is that going to help me and all of our peers make more money? Aftercare is something I'd like to say that I just thought up. It was just uh, something that came to me. I discovered this by accident, total accident, Tom. Um, When I started out, I used to speak to corporate sales teams. And one of the things I did in a follow-up call, because I think we do pre-work, we do the work, then we do some post-work. And I was calling up after my program to see if the client was happy and to get some feedback and to ask for referrals and a testimonial. And then I said this, I loved presenting my sales program to your people. Do you think it would make sense? Which is one of my phrase that pays, by the way, Tom. Absolutely free. There's no extra charge on this podcast (laughs) for that. But do you think it would make sense for me to work with your sales managers to actually implement the ideas, tactics, and techniques that we talked about in my program? And the decision maker said, that's a great idea. What would that look like? And to myself, I'm thinking, I I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. But it sounds good, doesn't it? I'm saying to myself. So I said, I'll shoot you an email and uh, we'll take a look at it and talk about it. So I got off the phone and I came up with three offerings, kind of like our friend Lori Guest's uh, price points, where she has a low price, a medium price, and the big, big bear price. And what it is, is engaging the company after the program to lend an element of accountability. So I would do a sales meeting. Back then I was doing it, I think, on Google Meet which was the the big platform where we could record. So if a sales manager wasn't available, they could watch the tape. I would go over some of the main aspects, some of the things that I talked about in the speech. Then we would talk about it as a small group. I also did some individual coaching for people who wanted some help in qualifying this specific time, my first time doing it. And then I gave them what the plan that they purchased had 30 days unlimited email support. And I sent some articles over at the time. And um, it worked out really well. And I found that 
by the time I was done doing this, and I did this for corporations and private businesses, not associations, for corporate businesses. And what I found by the time I was done, and I don't speak to sales teams anymore, but sometimes I made more on the back end, Tom, than I did on the front end. And the shift in perspective that took place from the client's point of view, which I think is incredibly important, was that I was not just a speaker, I was not just a consultant or someone who answered email, I was a resource. I was a resource to that company. And I got in deep with them, so whenever they needed anything sales, they would call me, which is what I wanted. And further, I said, if you need speakers, let me know. I know a lot of people. I can recommend a few. And I got to do that with several of my clients. But this aftercare can be whatever it is that you want it to be. So it can be one-on-one -on -one consulting, small group consulting, which is what I really enjoyed doing. It can be email access. It can be supplying a video. Uh, maybe a video a week for four weeks, six weeks. Um, it can be anything you want. It can even be situational responsiveness. One of my clients at the time said, I would love for our salespeople for a period maybe of 30 days after your program to be able to call you when they had a sales objection and they didn't know what to say. Done. And so... I actually looked at the speech sometimes as a showcase Tom, for <laughs> what I hoped was going to come afterwards. And what we find is if we go in and do a good job, if we give them ideas that they can implement to make them more productive, profitable, deepen engagement, increase shareholder value, whatever it is, people are drawn to that. And they actually want to see change happen. That's why people hire us. They want to see transformation take place. And that's what aftercare did for me. And I've been recommending it to my clients. It's the last chapter in my uh, Make Money Speaking book. And it's worked very well for my clients. So, it, I mean, I love the fact that you say you sort of stumbled upon it accidentally. How, how often in working with speakers does their, you know, big idea come by accident? I mean, I, it's happened to me and I've certainly seen it happen to a lot of my friends. Uh, how often do you think that happens in general? I think it happens a lot. Whether you're a speaker or a butcher or baker or a candlestick maker, I think it happens a lot. And here's the thing. For someone like, uh, for what I do working with speakers, one of the best things that I can do is listen to what somebody is telling me. And I think one of the reasons I have a business, Tom, is that we all have a very myopic view of our own business. We don't see it with a perspective that somebody outside can see it. And I always, uh, when I'm working with clients, I like to look at things like the decision maker, like the person who is deciding, would you be a good fit for this or not? So sometimes I see things that you are too close to and we can bring them out and develop them and it becomes a great idea. So I think this idea of aftercare is, I mean, obviously always been brilliant for you and your clients, but I think it might even be more brilliant during this pandemic because are companies more hungry to go deeper and get more information with, with what we're currently all facing? Absolutely. And, you know, I'll tell you, one of the things that made aftercare so inviting 
even in the beginning when I was doing it, was that they didn't have to bring me back in. They didn't have to pay travel, bring me back in, pay my hotel. I'm a big woman. I eat a lot. They didn't have to pay for that. And, you know, here's the thing. For virtual, one of the things we have to I think tell our prospects and clients is that the act of actually having a virtual meeting is engagement in and of itself. It's team building in and of itself. So if we can do those two things, plus drive a new behavior, a thought, a way of thinking, doing things, I think it's all the better. So you mentioned that you do this with your corporate clients. So a lot of speakers have focused, my career was mostly this side, on associations. Is there a way yes. to tweak aftercare for associations? Well, there is. The, the, of course, when, when we're speaking on the national association level, everybody in the audience is part of a business. So one of the things I tell my clients is, look, how do you leverage that? How do you leverage a great opportunity like that? And it's by approaching the people who were sitting in the audience hearing your program and doing what I call a two-part, two-street approach to connecting with them. I just spoke at your association meeting. Did you have a chance to hear me? Then the conversation goes one way. I spoke at your association meeting. Did you have a chance to hear me? No. Well, I'm sorry you missed it. It was well received. And that's why I'm following up with some of the members to see if a program like this may make sense for you. And then also offering the option of aftercare. You can package aftercare right away. You can bring it up after the program, as I did when I first fell upon it. Um, there are all sorts of things. And, you know, I think one of the big challenges right now, uh, Tom, is to add value to get our fees. And you can pick some of those things out of the box of aftercare, I think, to shore up your fee. I would always rather have you add something than discount a program. And so this can give you a menu of options to be able to add on for extra value. And you can even do it when you're first approaching a client. Imagine a world where you have a clear vision for the future, goals and milestones to measure your progress, a predictable way to generate revenue, and true control over your business. To be honest, this isn't rocket science. You just need the systems to support you, and SpeakerFlow can help you do it. Through technology, strategy, and community, you'll be able to build the business of your dreams and save yourself some time, energy, money, and stress along the way. Head over to speakerflow.com slash get started to find free resources and a roadmap to guide you through your journey. Wow. I mean, I'm sitting here hosting the show and taking notes for my own career as we're doing this. So that, so your first tip is already gold. Now I want to get, now I want to get to your second tip about fully monetizing your message. I know from my own career, I I'm sure I don't do this. I'm positive. I leave money on the table and I bet many of the speakers who are listening going, yep, me too. What can people do to fully monetize their message? Well, first of all, most of us mere mortals always think we've left money on the table anytime we engage, Tom. But this is what I mean when I say monetize your message. What other platforms can you use to drive your IP to the marketplace? So in looking at your, your main speech, can that main speech be a video or audio product? Can that speech be a digital product? 
can you create, and this is what I've done in the last six months. I've kind of shifted my business, Tom, to uh, a more digital platform, uh, if it were. I have created a membership group. And I am able to work with speakers in a large, larger group, and they're able to engage with me at much less money than if they hired me individually. And here's the thing I found, that it's like a giant mastermind. It can be like a giant mastermind. There, you know, There's a shared intimacy, I think, when you're in a group and you're exchanging business information, you get to know people. And um, so a membership group is one of the things that I've done and I am really enjoying. And another thing I've done is uh, started course creation for my business. What are the different steps that people want to learn that they can access either live or on video? So when I say monetize your message, you know, uh, I mean, a blog post can become a chapter, can become an ebook, can become a new speech, can become an add on service. How can you take that one thing and monetize it in a number of ways? And it's not really having to come up with new intellectual property. It's just seeing it in a different way. And one of the things we've learned for sure is that people like to learn in different ways. So it's kind of meeting the client, the customer where they are and talking to them in a way, how do they want to learn and then reacting to that. So there's so many ways. I mean, my mind is spinning. There's so many ways that people can do this with the clients you've worked with. What are some of the most successful ways that they've monetized that message outside of just the speech? Well, I'll tell you, many of them are doing what I did. I had a blog. I started writing a blog, I think it was 2007. And um, I started thinking about, I want, a, I want a book. And um, I worked with Kathy Fayok, uh, who works with people who want to um, create books. And she's the one who talked to me about using my blog as a book. So I went back to those blog posts. Tom, I thought I had it made because I've got these all written. Bada boom, bada bing, call them chapters. And then I realized some of the posts that I had written in 2007 were not necessarily evergreen. Well, so, that that, and I know because I blogged for a long time. Sometimes you yeah. say things like click here, not going to work in your book. That's yeah, right. That's right. So I went back, revisited, updated, and then added some stories to make it more interesting and really to make it more practical. I thought, you know, kind of an example of what to do. And that is really how Book More Business Make Money Speaking came to fruition. It was my blog in a book and then categorizing it, put, putting it in good order. I did write a few extra things that I wanted to include in it. But these are all ways that I have suggested to my clients. This is a great way to get a book done, start writing a blog. I think blogging is incredibly important for speakers, consultants, experts. Uh, I think it's incredibly important. People want to sample your intellectual property. And to me, that's what a blog is. It's a sample of how I think and how I apply my thoughts. So let's talk a little bit about this membership group that you started and how can other speakers start membership groups around their expertise? Because when you said that, I, I put a little star in my notes because this is something I know comes up in a lot of conversations that I've had with other speakers. And yet I've seen very few people successfully populate a membership group. So what do you need to do if the idea of a membership group around your expertise sounds like a way to monetize that message? Where do you start? How did you, how did you do it? And what advice do you have? Here's how I started. 
uh, I joined a successful membership group one that was going already and it's by uh one uh somebody that a lot of people know uh gina carr and she has a very successful membership group and actually she invited me to be a guest i liked the group i joined it and then i took a course i took a course called tribe and it was incredibly instructive to me. I decided if I want to start a membership group, I want to know what I need to know. I don't want to learn. I'm learning as I go, but I don't want to make a lot of costly mistakes for people who are signing up early on. I want them to get incredible value right out of the gate so I can attract more people in. And this course was long. It was not inexpensive. And I put in a lot of work. I felt really that I was ready to go with it. And I use my book almost as my um, lesson plans or the engagement points for things that we're going to do. But I have really enjoyed this. Now, I just started it last October and I had a founding members launch. I invited 25 people. 20 of them joined, which was thrilling to me. I'm going to open up membership just in a couple of weeks again. I'll probably open it up to maybe twice a year. But really the way I did it was I took a course. And I would tell anybody who is interested in something like this, take some kind of a course. It doesn't have to be what I did. Also, join a membership group and see what you like, what you dislike, what works, and how you think your expertise would fit into a group. But I'm thoroughly enjoying mine. So you've brought up an interesting point, if we can sort of pivot here, because you've worked with so many speakers. And, you know, I, I always say that, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there who are selling advice to speakers and a handful of them that I think are super legit. And you've always fallen into to that latter category as far as I'm Thank concerned. You. So I know you've seen a lot of speakers and I know you've worked with them and you've observed from afar and you've seen people do things well and you've seen people do things not as well. Yes. Is it common for speakers not to do the work and invest up front to learn how to do something and just sort of dive in. And if, if that's a common trait, why should speakers, you know, take a lesson from what you just said about, you know, joining someone else's, paying someone to coach you how to do it, whether it's a course or a coach, before you pull the trigger? Well, I can tell you in my case, I didn't really know that much about these kinds of groups, membership groups. And so I wanted an inside look. And then I wanted to spend enough time in the group to see if I thought this is something I felt comfortable leading. Is it something I felt like I could do? I got ideas. Uh, Gina is masterful at running her membership group. It's called Video Rockstars. I highly recommend it. And so that was kind of the inside look. Before I'm going to spend money and commit to something, I want to know, is it a fit for my business? Am I going to make money doing it? I'm in business to make money. I love to serve people, but we have to pay bills too. So is it going to be a profitable enterprise? And I also wanted to know how much of my time am I going to have to allot to this? And right now, I, I would tell you that I'm really glad that I did those first two things. I did the course and I got an inside look before I spent money and jumped in because too many of us see something, we think it sounds like it would be a great fit. We spend a lot of money, we jump in only to find out, I don't like that. I don't have time to do that. I don't want to do that. And then we're left feeling 
really unfulfilled. So um, I think before you're going to, to make a leap, you've got to make sure that this is something that will be sustaining and that people will want to come back every week and will want to be a part of it. And so there are a lot of strategies that I would have never gotten on my own, never. And so it's been very instructive to me. And I also took a course on creating courses because I wanted to know what is a good structure. I'm new to this. I have been in lots of them, but I'm thinking about how does my intellectual property adapt itself in course form, what is doing too much in one course, what is not enough, things like that. So I wanted to know what I was doing before I jumped in because I didn't want to put something up that didn't serve me well. I've been doing this 20 years and it would be counterproductive for me to put something up that wasn't really uh, super beneficial to people. So, Lois, before I can let you go, I want to take advantage of having you here on Speakernomics. Again, as I said, you've seen a lot. So looking back over the past year, the speaking industry has been hit really hard. Some people have thrived. Some people have had the opposite of thrive. And most of us are somewhere in the middle. What are some things that you think you've seen speakers do really well over the course of the last year and, and something the rest of us should be paying attention to? Some of the things that I've seen people do really well is adapt to virtual, Tom. You know, there's nothing like having no choice that makes you walk joyfully into something new. Story of my life the last 10 months. Absolutely. <laughs> mine too. Yeah. Mine too. But I have seen some absolutely wonderful virtual presentations. And so it has really modeled to all of us what can be done virtually and what we know now that we didn't know six months ago was this. Are people buying virtual presentations or are they still waiting? Now, national level associations are still kind of waiting but trying to commit. Corporations and businesses are hiring virtual, are using virtual and getting a lot of value from it. So one of the things that I think that we've learned is that virtual works. I'm a big believer that it is gonna be a part of this industry and many others from now until the end of time. So our challenge becomes how do we engage people both in person as well as the people who are watching this virtually? And I remember the first time uh, National Speakers Association added virtual on. Tom, you were one of the MCs with Eliz Green. And I thought you all did a great job and you were really pioneers in doing this. Yeah, that was seven years ago. And, and Eliz and I continue to, tr to try and do that. So I know, I know. So Lois, it has been such a pleasure to have you here on, on this new podcast, Speakernomics, uh, the National Speakers Association. Thanks you for sharing all your wisdom and with not just our members, but with the whole world of professional speakers who are our audience here on Speakernomics. Before we go, do you have any last words of advice? I think that you need to think about leveraging. If you take one word away from this today, let it be leverage. How do I leverage my information to work, to go deeper with clients? How do I leverage my information to put on other platforms so people with other learning styles can access my good work. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I hope that you will join us here every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and action.
actionable information on how to make money as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>